It's a pleasure for me to be here. I hope that when you leave here today, you will have made your calling and election sure. Today we're giving you the essentials, the very centerpiece of the entire Bible. If you don't get this one, you just hadn't got it. Let's pray. Lord, this is a hard sermon. Hard for me. Hard for these. It's difficult for us who live in America and have so much to understand the immensity of our true blessing. And so awaken in our hearts, O oh God, to see your glory, to see the centerpiece of the Bible. Amen. The problem we have is when we begin to look at our faith, we sometimes think and wonder, do I have the real thing? Sometimes when you doubt yourself, you can become depressed and discouraged and downhearted and beaten down. The reason you do that is because you look at your faith. I'm here to tell you you're not saved by faith. It's true. They call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Jesus saves you, not your faith. What then is faith? Now the problem with faith is, is in the Bible there's a lot of faiths that don't save you. I hope you don't have one of those. You better make sure that you have saving faith. Let me illustrate this. You go to the kitchen, you're thirsty. You go and you turn on the spigot, and the water flows out. And you drink the water and you say, that faucet sure quenched my thirst. Right, isn't that what you say? No, of course not. It's the water. The water of life, Jesus Christ, quenches your eternal thirst. What then is saving faith? It is the instrument, the method by which Jesus Christ comes to your soul. It doesn't save you. Jesus saves you. Saving faith is what gets it to you. So what is it? Well, before I tell you what it is, I'm going to tell you what it isn't. Now, Matthew 7, Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount said, Many will come to me in that day and say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we preach in your name? Didn't we cast out demons? Didn't we work miracles? Miracle working Faith! And he will say to them, 
Depart from me, you wicked. I never knew you. Think about it, friends. Miracle working faith won't save you. Let me give you an illustration of this. I saw this in action, actually. A man in my church called me and said, I've got a man that has a child in critical condition in the hospital. Would you, would you please go see him? He's not a member of the church, but would you please go see him? And I said, of course I'll go. And I went, and I talked to the man for a few minutes. And then I went in to see Carlton. I went in that ICU room. Carlton was about three or four. And uh, <clears throat> he had every tube possible stuck in that little body. Two nurses were in there and had prayer. And I was about to walk out. One of those tubes popped out of that little body. And blood started running out. The nurses said to me, you have to leave. And they had a special code. I, don't, I can't remember what the code was. But before I could even get out the door, two doctors and a nurse rushed into the room. It was slanted as you go down to where the man was sitting. It was like a little niche off of the hallway. And I <clears throat> went down to see that man. And I looked at him and I said, your son's in really, really bad shape. About five minutes later, two nurses who didn't know we were there were walking down. One nurse said to the other, do you think that boy will live? And the other nurse said, no, he's already dead. I looked into the eyes of that father. I'll never forget it. He looked at me and said, don't worry, preacher. I'm not to worry. Don't worry, preacher. My son will live. To make a long story short, Carlton lived. I saw this man a year later in the grocery store line. <laughs> and I asked him, I said, well, how's Carlton doing? He said, that boy's healthy as a heart. He's doing great. And I thought, I said, this is a great miracle you've had. Have, have you committed, because I talked to him about Jesus. And, have you committed yourself to Jesus? No. Now, I want you to think about that a minute. This man believed in a miracle. He received a miracle. And he wasn't a Christian. Shocking, isn't it? Miracle working faith is not saving faith. Now the next two are found in the parable of the sower. I call it rootless faith and fruitless faith. In the parable of the sower, Jesus said the sower went out to sow and he, he sowed some on ground that was a thin veneer over rock. It sprung up quickly. But when the sun came out, it withered it because it didn't have any deepness of root. 
Jesus interpreted that by saying, this is the person that receives the word of God with joy. If we saw somebody receiving the word of God with joy, we'd say, here's a Christian. Guess what? They didn't have the root of the matter in them. And when persecution or difficulty came to their lives because of the word of God, what happened to them? They left the church. They forsake Christianity. We're hearing so much about young people leaving the church when they go to college. Young people, you'd best commit to Jesus Christ without exception. And no matter how hard it gets, or the sneers, or the ridicule, or the isolation, or the excluding you. You ready for that? If you've got faith that's rooted into Jesus Christ, you'll stand the test of time. But if you don't have it, you don't have saving faith. Now the second one is the fruitless faith. The seed was thrown into the ground and it sprung up. And it says the weeds came in and choked it. So they bore no fruit. The fruitless faith. Young people, are you bearing any fruit? You say to me, well, I'm just a young person. Don't give me that excuse. Jesus Christ is not interested in it. He's not interested in anyone saying here, I don't have to do anything, but I don't need any fruit in my life. If so, you don't have saving faith. I don't know how clear it can be. Are you bearing fruit? Is, is the fruit of the Holy Spirit shown in your personal life? Or is the fruit of your life seen in drawing others to Jesus Christ? Is that seen in you? If it's not, guess what? That's not saving faith. Now in Acts chapter 8, Simon, who was called great, saw the miracles of Philip. And you know what it says about Simon? It said, he believed and was baptized. My God, he was believed. He believed and was baptized. And then he saw the apostles laying their hands on people and they received the Holy Spirit in power. And he said, look, I got a lot of money here. Give me this power. So when I lay my hands on them, they'll receive the Holy Spirit. You know what Peter said? Your heart is not right. You're full of the gall of bitterness and of the bondage of iniquity. Guess what? That's not saving faith. You know what that is? That's glorify me faith. You know, preachers have a real hard time with that one. We, you know, who doesn't like to be patted on the back? Oh, preacher, aren't you wonderful? We love to hear it. I do. Maybe somebody else is more sanctified than I am. <laughs> I don't know. But you see, he wasn't interested in proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. He was interested in letting people say, look how great I am. Let's have a health, wealth, and prosperity gospel. Look at me. That's not it. That doesn't save you. Now let's look at the book of James. 
in the book of James, there's two faiths. Faith without works is dead. You know what that means? You see, a lot of people misunderstand James. They think he's saying if you're, you're saved by your faith plus your works equals salvation. That's not what James is teaching. What James is teaching, you're saved by Jesus Christ, but what kind of faith is it that saves you? Saving faith in Jesus Christ alone saves you, but saving faith that's in Jesus Christ is never alone. It is living. It is powerful. It is mighty. It works. If you have no works for God, no testimony for Jesus, doing nothing for God, you don't have it. Faith without works is dead. Saving faith is alive. Why? Because it's a gift of God who is alive. He is the eternal life that puts that into our hearts so that we believe. Why is it you believe, my friends? It's not because you're so good. You know why I know you're not so good? I know me. I'm not so good. You're not very good either. Please don't pretend you are. You see, Jesus didn't come for people who thought they were good. You know what he said? I didn't come for the righteous, he says. I came for the sinner. If a person can't admit that what they're doing is wrong, he didn't come for them. I hope that's plain. He came for people like you and me. It's wonderful. Sinners. Yes. Saving faith, my friends, will work. Now, this is the big one. Demonic faith. Do you know that people have demonic faith in this world today? The demons believe in God and tremble. When the demons in the Gadarene demoniac saw Jesus Christ, they said, we know who you are. You're the son of God, the Holy One of Israel. We know you. And then they said this. Have you come to throw us into the pit before the time? The devils believe more in Jesus Christ than you and I do. They have seen him. My God. Do you have demonic faith? You believe in God. You know, I always hear, well, the man upstairs. I believe in God. So what? The devils believe in God. That's not saving faith. What is the distinction between the saving faith of ourselves versus the saving faith that is not saving faith of the devils? It's two little letters. M-Y. Jesus is my Lord. You know what that really means, young people? Do you understand this? It means Jesus tells you what to do. You don't tell him. That's what it means. Jesus, who do you want me to marry? Jesus, what school do you want me to go to? Jesus, what kind of friends do you want me to have? Jesus, what job? What place do you want me to live? Will you send me? I will go. 
You see, we really don't believe it. Not that easy, is it? But that's still not saving faith, although that's true faith. What is saving faith? Here it is. Get your ears. Everybody got your ears open? Abraham. Abraham. Yes, Abraham is the father of the faithful. What did Abraham do to show us he had saving faith? He took his son Isaac. My God, how could he do it? Laid him on that altar. Raised the knife. Was going to kill his own son. Is that true? Do you believe that? He was going to sacrifice him. You know what he was sacrificing? All his hopes, all his dreams, all the promises that God had made to him. He gave them up. You see, Christianity and saving faith is not about what you give. It's about what you give up that shows you got it. So let me ask you, friends, what are you giving up for Jesus Christ? What are you sacrificing for Jesus Christ? The centerpiece of the Bible is sacrifice. From Genesis to Revelation, sacrifice. Not hard, is it? <laughs> I haven't found Christian faith so easy. Christian faith is so easy. You simply believe and receive. But when you believe and receive and have saving faith, you're ready to sacrifice everything for Jesus Christ, young people. That's not just the requirement for adults. That's for you. That's for me. <clears throat> now, why did Abraham do this? Let me read it to you. It's pretty shocking. You see, the Bible, if you read it, has one shocking thing on every page. If you actually read it, it's just amazing. But let me read to you what Abraham thought about this. It's right in here. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it's through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Here it is, friends. You ready? Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead. And figuratively speaking, 
he did receive Isaac back from death. And friends, you need to ask yourself some questions. Do you really believe God exists? Do you really believe there's life after death? Do you really believe that Jesus Christ actually historically in the physical body in which he was buried rose again from the dead? Do you actually believe the gospel? Christ died on the cross for our sins according to the scriptures, was buried and rose again from the dead on the third day according to the scriptures. And if you believe this, then the heart of your life is sacrifice. So when you leave here today, you have a choice almost every day. Every day it comes to you. Will I sacrifice my desires, my wants, my wishes, my ways for Jesus. Now we in this room are sitting on comfortable pews. We really have, we're really quite wealthy actually. And there's some of our brethren who are sacrificing. Their heads are cut off because they believe in Jesus. Some are in refugee camps. There's no clean water, no sewage, little food. They're afraid for their life day and night. And we have everything. Friends, God is so good to you. He's so good to me. By the mercies of God, we're here. It's not because we're better than those poor people, those poor Christians over there. It's because God's mercy has been ours. That's why. And he looks at us and he says, what have you sacrificed for me? Did he not say? Didn't Jesus say? Deny yourself? Wait a minute, hold it. The world says, satisfy yourself. Doesn't it? Isn't that what it says? I get that impression. And what does Jesus say? Deny yourself. My God, how? I mean, isn't that about as far as the east is from the west? And then he says, pick up your cross daily. Sacrifice yourself. For the glory of God, the good of the church, and the blessing of others, sacrifice yourself. What do you think God means when he says, God commends his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ sacrificed himself. Do you think eternal life is worth it? Do you have saving faith? Do you remember what Moses did? I tell you, Moses is spectacular. I, 
you know. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now, he could have been Pharaoh. You understand what Pharaoh had back then. Okay, the 25 most beautiful women come into my harem. I have the best food, entertainment, transportation, housing, clothing, everything. And if somebody crosses me, I say, take his head off his shoulders. That's what Moses could have had. Do you understand that? And he said, but he considered the reproach of Christ greater riches than the temporary pleasures of this world and of Egypt. For he looked to the reward. He had the kind of faith that was able to look beyond death and see eternal life. My God, is it true? Eternal life. Is it real? Do you believe it? Paradise, heaven, we're pilgrims and strangers going on this earth. This is not our home. Do you believe that? My God is so huge. It's so massive. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now you children here, somebody may say to you, you're too young to commit to Jesus Christ. I'm sorry, that's not correct. You should commit your life to Jesus Christ the instant you see his glory, his love, that he died for you. One final thing, my dear friends. If you think about Steve Irby, here I am, I'll be 75 soon. I can't believe it myself. <laughs> and if you think I only sinned one time a day, because I'm almost perfect. Only one evil thought a day, or next day I have one evil word, and the next day I have one evil act, and the next day I forget to do something I should have done. That's 365 sins in a year. Multiplied by 75, <laughs> to over 20,000. And that's if I'm almost perfect. Well, guess what? I'm not even close. Now you think about Jesus when he went to that cross. Think if there's a billion people saved. Think of all the sins he bore on our behalf. Oh God, how could he do it? The only reason he wasn't annihilated on the cross, my friends, was because he was connected to God. He was united to God as the Son of God and the Son of Man, and as man he suffered. And as God, he kept that sufferer from being annihilated so that he could bear our sins. How much love is that? Greater love hath no man than this, than he laid down his life for his friends, that he sacrificed for his friends. But Jesus Christ sacrificed for his enemies. You and me. My God, it's just, it's just so amazing. Amazing grace. How great the sound, isn't it? My friends, when we leave here today, we have to have fixed into our minds that the purpose of our life is to sacrifice for Jesus. You will never lose by doing it. Amen.
Let us pray. Lord, this is very difficult for me. I don't like to sacrifice. I like to do what I want to do when I want to do it. Help me to be a better Christian, O oh Lord. And for these, O oh Lord, give them a sure sense that they have saving faith because they have a sacrificial mentality. Help us all to have that and we'll turn the world upside down. Bless this church, O oh God. Bless this church. Amen.